Well, I hope you will still clap when I'm done. The sooner, the more likely that would be, I suspect. Um, I really enjoy the chapel experience here and appreciated what Steve shared with us in music. Um, really enjoyed the band. Sounds a little different in this chapel than it did in our chapel at Camp Maranatha. Uh, you know, it's about one-tenth this size, and you can imagine the sound that they generated. It's like singing in, it's inside of a drum. It was great. Uh, but I want to say greetings to the WOW staff, and uh, we enjoyed having you in Idaho. If you can picture Camp Maranatha today, there are about uh, six feet of snow on the ground there, and so it would be a little difficult to get in. But our camp director, Sam Zug, went up and looked at it and checked for snow damage and so on. That's the story from Camp Maranatha. But I hope some of you can come back this summer, maybe, and uh, if you'd like to serve up there, we'd be happy to have you. Uh, we had the opportunity, uh, over my years of experience as a board member, my area of involvement primarily has been in student life, and uh, that's been my great interest um, having had some experience in the dorm here and working with young people and when, uh, well, in the very early days, obviously, of the school, David. Uh, it was only a hundred years later than Abe, but uh, uh, not bad. Um, I don't think he's a history major. But uh, at any rate, um, that has been my, my great interest, and so it was a real delight for me to observe the WOW staff and the Student Life staff in action and uh, to see it really from the grassroots level. And I have a deep appreciation for Dave Maddox and Betty Price and, and uh, the others that are working so well with you in that area. And uh, I want to say a special thank you to the summer staff. Uh, there are uh, several of your students who made that whole um, WOW staff retreat possible financially by donating their uh, labor my pacemaker, I think, is a little bit off. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to thank them because it was their, they took their summer and worked for us, counseling and, and doing all kinds of labor uh, at the camp for nothing in order to offset the cost of our hosting the retreat, that is transportation of, of uh, the whole staff from Boise to Camp Maranatha, which is 100 miles, and uh, all the food and overhead costs of the camp. And I want to name them Jenny Whitmore, Tammy Titus, Tracy McCormick, Jim Gray, Mike Parker, Kevin Smith, and the speakers, uh, Kevin Bosler, Billy Tarka, uh, Mark Hansel, Todd Arnett, and David Beto. And I deeply appreciate them. And you should appreciate their labor, too, because uh, it has spread out to uh, the ministry of the WOW staff throughout the campus, and I want to say again, thank you, and God bless you for that great work. I think we ought to give them a hand. I really love the Master's College, and uh, once you start expressing appreciation, it's difficult to stop. We have the privilege, of course, of working most closely with the administration, and I just thank God for them. It's been really a, a tremendous change since uh, Dr. MacArthur came on campus, and uh, at the same time, it was a an opportunity for us to fulfill many of the dreams that we had 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 and had been somewhat frustrated in. Uh, so deeply appreciate Dr. Duncan and as a, a father figure and a mentor and a friend and, and his commitment to this college, and it's been a great privilege to see that continued and, and just exploded exponentially uh, in the ministry of Dr. MacArthur and those that have come alongside of him. 
Um, personally, I, I have a great appreciation for the chairman of our board, Mr. Jim Rickard. And I want to say publicly how much I appreciate the contribution that he has made time and time again to the financial area here and, and done some of the more difficult things in helping us to be a better college. And um, uh, he's a dear friend, and uh, I want to say publicly my appreciation for him. Beyond that, I, I think that when you cross the, the uh, platform and receive your diploma, probably the greatest impact upon your lives will be from the faculty. Um, and I know that as you move toward the uh, position of senior status on campus, you begin to appreciate the relationships that you've had with the godly faculty that, that continue to be the backbone of this school. And, uh, they have taken some real hits over the last couple of years financially, and they continue to sacrifice gladly uh, for your sake and for the cause of Jesus Christ. And, and as a board member and a pastor, um, I just can't say enough about our faculty. Uh, and we want to continue to be the best that we can be with the resources and the people that God gives us. Uh, I believe this is the best small college of its kind in the country. And we want to continue to improve on what we are and to be better and um, I believe the faculty is certainly at the core of that, and we deeply appreciate them. Uh, but I want to speak to the issue of the local church this morning because that is really the passion of my life, and uh, it also uh, dovetails with the ministry fair that you're experiencing. I think it's the leading of the Lord that I would be here today, and it's just worked together, I trust, for our good to, uh, collectively that we can draw attention to some things that are extremely important in the, and foundational in the lives of every Christian. And that is the, the priority and the place of the local church in our lives. I believe this college is committed to the proposition that we are training men and women to be world Christians, to have a biblical worldview, to look at life through the grid of the Scriptures and to be discerning about trends, to know their times. Uh, to, yes, be able to examine the culture and, and understand the culture as it changes so rapidly, but always founded firmly in the truth of the Word of God and, and committed to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, men and women that, that really have the bigger picture as you go out into the world to serve. And at the same time, the commitment is to do that in the manner in which Jesus Christ prescribed when He left this earth. And that is that His program was to build His church now, I realize that there is a universal aspect of the church, and <clears throat> every believer is part of that. But the vision of our Lord Jesus Christ is only fleshed out in local assemblies throughout the world. And it seems to me that that is the crucible for Christian experience. That is the place for Christian growth. That is the place for discipleship and all of these things coming to their, their ultimate, and to their conclusion, and uh, that is in the local church. I'm committed to that. I believe that's biblical. Uh, and so I believe that, that that is the commitment of the Master's College as well. Um, and I'm thankful for the pastors that are here on campus today who are um, carrying forth that commitment where God has placed them. There is great variety in size and shape and personality of local churches, but they have that in common, that, that they uh, have a special place in the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in doing His work. Parachurch organizations rise and fall. The college is a, a tremendous arm of the local church. I'm thankful that I can send uh, our young people here as God leads them 
for the training that they experience. Uh, and that has been one of the primary reasons why I've been involved is that I believe so much in this type of a program. But the college is not essential to the, the work of the Lord in, in the world. The college is, is a, an organization that may pass from the scene, but I can assure you that the Church of Jesus Christ will not. And the local church is the foundational ministry. Chapel is not church. I love the worship experience that I have here. I believe you get uh, teaching here that is unparalleled in chapel and challenges here, as well as in the classroom and in the lives of the people with whom you relate. But this is a passing period in your life, and the church goes on and carries you throughout life. The church is at the core of God's work in the world. And so I'm going to direct your attention this morning with that introductory word to the pastor's favorite text in all of the Bible, Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not forsaking our own assembling together, but encouraging one another all the more. Two aspects of it I want to look at from this verse and the surrounding context, and that is the abandonment of the church, or forsaking of the church, and the assembling of the church. In contrast to one another, we want to see where, where we need to make our commitment and even uh, go from this assembly this morning and, and make a, a literal and physical commitment to the church. The church is being abandoned today. And I think that there is no question about the, the growing uh, separation between the church and our society. Uh, all of the polls talk about the numbers of people that go to church and all of those things really don't amount to much when it comes down to uh, what is the, the biblical work of God in society and where society is headed. And you don't need a, a degree from the Master's College to figure that out. Uh, you just take a look at, at our culture. And the relationship of the church to our culture is certainly a sign of the times. The text reveals the fact that that, uh, and we know from other scripture that as we move closer and closer to the hour of Christ's return, uh, there will be an increasing separation between the church and the culture. And that's particularly happening in America. And I understand from Dr. MacArthur that you've had speakers in that have, that have recognized the fact from Romans chapter 1 that we are not a society headed toward the judgment of God. We are a society under the judgment of God. How is the church to function? But there is a separation between our culture and, and the church, and we're going to see that increasingly. Uh, I believe uh, as, as well that <clears throat> there is an abandonment of the church by the apostasy. I mean, I think that is, is obvious as well. And the concern of the writer of Hebrews was that, <clears throat> that people that were gathered together in the assembly would come to the point where they fully understand the commitment involved to Jesus Christ and understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New and all of the implications of being a Christian and walk away from it. And I think we're experiencing that in our society as well. 1 John 2 puts it this way, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they are not of us. Now, what is happening is a, a great clarification of the nature of the church 
as opposed to the society. And that's good. I met a young pastor in uh, Pasco, Washington this past week. He had just moved from Mississippi to pastor a congregation there. And I asked him how it was going, how he, how he found the changes from his former uh, congregation and ministry and his present one. And he said, I'm refreshed by, the fact that, by two factors. One, there are more whole families in the community that I'm trying to reach than I find in Mississippi where I ministered before. And secondly, uh, people are clear in their commitment or not to the church. In other words, when I approach them and I explain that I'm a Christian and I express my interest in the, the Lord Jesus Christ, they will say to me, I'm not interested. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a part of the church. And he said, that's good. I know where I stand. I don't have to put up with a lot of this cultural Christianity. I know what my mandate is and I know what my ministry is. And I know what the possibilities are. And I think we're going to have to be like that. We'll be like Paul in Corinth. Afraid, but confident of the fact that God has people there. And you just read through the, the litany of, of sins represented in that church, and that is the church in America today. We have a message that, that will reach people in our culture and change them. But I find it, in a sense, encouraging that it is that it is becoming clearer. The distinctions are becoming clearer. And they will increasingly become so. And as you leave this institution, uh, you will enter into the battle uh, to demonstrate the difference. Tragically, at this hour, I believe that, however, the church is being abandoned by believers. That is the church in the way it ought to be, the way it is revealed biblically. And its message and its methodology are being eroded by uh, its tie to our culture. We, we simply reflect our culture. And I'm sure you're aware of that. But I just picked up a book by Charles Colson. I think he's a, a very astute observer of the church, and you know his background. And it, it, some of you may have seen it, The Body. And I've just started reading it on the plane coming down here, and I uh, thought there was a, an interesting section that relates to this. Uh, he, relates, he calls this chapter, Give Me That Hot Tub Religion. And he speaks to the issue of the consumer mentality with relation to the church. Spiritual consumers are, not inter are interested not in what the church stands for, but in the fulfillment it can deliver. There's a footnote. According to George Barna, astute observer and critic of the church, this consumer demand will intensify and shape the church of the future. Increasingly, people will demand personalized religious systems that will meet their need for a religious perspective without requiring the sacrifices and commitment that traditional Christianity demands. He goes on saying, Thus, the under-45 generation, 60% of whom define themselves as independent spiritual seekers, reject the notion that one should be limited to a single faith. The result is an age of mixum matchum salad bar spirituality. And it really doesn't matter whether it's orthodox or new age. A majority of Christians believe all religions worship the same God. And what J.I. Packer calls the hot tub religion embraces anything that makes us feel better about ourselves. This is why Ty Collins, the former Miss Virginia, who allegedly was involved in a tryst with a U.S. senator and then posed nude for Playboy, can enthuse over the Presbyterian church she has recently joined. Her volunteer work there, she says, is very fulfilling. I wonder what she's volunteering to do. When asked if it would affect her nude modeling, she replied, 
I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot of people in my church who have been in Playboy. The Gospel teaches that our hope is not in finding our true self, but in losing our true self. Amen. That which defies, defiles us is what is in us, Christ said. When we honestly look at inside at our sin-scarred lives, we ought to be repulsed by our true selves. When we repent and die to ourselves so that Christ's atoning grace... Uh, we then repent and die to ourselves so that Christ's atoning grace might cleanse us. Adjusting to ourselves is precisely what we mustn't do, says Bert Coles, renowned Harvard psychologist and Christian layman. Adjustment and adaptation is so often an acquiescence to the most banal and crude, if not blasphemous, in a given society. This is why the feel-good, restore-yourself work worth therapeutic gospel is so dangerous. It is but a short step from therapy to the health and wealth, name it and claim it, heresy, forms of which are propagated in conservative churches as well as by unscrupulous evangelists. Pay your money for God's blessing, proclaim, proclaim Robert Tilton and others. Uh, I read an article recently from Charisma magazine passed on to me that uh, James Baker in prison has written a letter to his attorney and there are excerpts of it there that express the fact that he repents of his teaching of the health and wealth gospel. He's been studying the New Testament and realizes that that is a bankrupt system and he is expressing his apology to the church, to the people that he led astray. And incidentally, also expressing contentment to be where he is, which is a sign maybe of, of repentance in his life. Uh, and that would, be, uh, that would be great. By responding to market pressures, furthermore, uh, Colson goes on to say, the church forfeits its authority to proclaim truth and loses its ability to call its members into account. Uh, there's uh, a lot there. I told David I'd probably get carried away reading this stuff, but it, it is uh, it's interesting reading to say the least. And, and these are things we understand. And I don't want to be someone who simply stands up here and proclaims, ain't it awful? I've never been a proponent of, of saying, that, oh, things are getting worse and things are bad because I believe that, that in, in contrast to this, we have always had the message of God's grace. It has really always been so. In some respects, we in America have been privileged in a little blip on the time of, of history uh, of having some Christian values instilled into our nation and hopefully we can maintain some of that. But basically, we are in a fallen world and we need to come to grips with that and understand that God has put the church in such a world and not be blown away by the fact that that, uh, that is the case. But we need to get into the business of just being the church. Strengthened in local assemblies going out into the world to be salt and light where God has put us. And we will make a difference. I like the philosophy of the, the uh, lawn maintenance company that says we're going to make America green one lawn at a time. And that's my approach to, to ministry, is to just work one person, one family at a time where God has put me. And it's a, it's a tremendous journey because we're doing the work of Christ hand in hand in him and, with him, and that's the way he did it. So we move, uh, oh, I want to say this to, just from a, a personal standpoint, that one of the great joys of my life is, is being on the board here at the Master's College and being involved in that, but there's a second outside involvement that I have that I'd just like to share with you because um, the experience of it has been a tremendous influence on my life, and that is to work in church planting. In Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, we have a, a grassroots church planting organization of 
of churches and uh, representing about 120 regular Baptist churches there. And, and over the years, most of them have had some assistance from the Northwest Baptist Home Mission. And it has, it's a thrill to see a baby church come into existence and to observe uh, how God moves and, and, and somehow they're, they're unique and special and yet they are alike. I remember watching two of my children be born, and that was a tremendous experience. And the only thing equal to that, I think, is to watch a church be born. Uh, the problems that go along with that, you cannot help but, but have a sense of, uh, of the burden of the churches. I understand a little bit about what the Apostle Paul said when he, when he said the burden of the churches, because they're like your babies, and you really can't can't do anything about them once they get going. It's, it's really um, a lot of times like having a teenager, having a young adult in your family. Really, their life is in their hands. It's a tremendous thing. You enjoy it and you love it and you watch their experiences and it's a thrill. Um, but your heart is really involved in it. Now, there's nothing like being involved where Christ is involved and getting close to his heart. And I believe that is one area in which we've been privileged to be close to the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes churches fail. We've had to step in and, and try to salvage some failing churches for various reasons. Um, you know, leadership failure, uh, economic failure of one sort or another. And uh, that's a sad involvement, but at the same time it's a privilege to be involved in building the church of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage the pastors that are, that are here, whatever stage your church is, just keep pressing on. It's the greatest business in the world. And so we want to move to the assembling of the church. The abandonment of the church, the negative, but the positive, the assembling of the church. And uh, in context, I just want us to take a look at, at four contrasts uh, that I think can help us as we move out into the church as a student body. First, we want to see that it is not an option to be involved in the local church but a necessity is not an option but an opportunity I guess I'll put it that way not an option but an opportunity notice with me in, in the text verses 19 and following since therefore brethren we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh and since we have a great high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Primarily, believers are worshipers. And at the core of what the text is saying here is that, that we have great privilege and great freedom on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ to come and worship Him. Jesus told the woman at the well that, he is, that God is seeking people to worship Him in, worship, in spirit and in truth. Romans 12, 1 and 2 declares that, that our service for Him, the, the laying out of our bodies in sacrifice, is a spiritual worship. It's an act of worship to serve Him. And I want to call you this morning to, to operate on the privilege of worship in the local church, to take that privilege out into the church. It requires faithfulness and commitment. 
I want to challenge you to, to select by faith a church that, to which you can be committed. Not a temporary commitment, not a trial basis, but commit yourself to that assembly and to the ministry of that pastor and uh, make this something that speaks for the heart of Christ in worship. That ought to be our motivation above all else, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And foundational to it all is the finality of Jesus Christ and His finished work. And that's what the first ten chapters of Hebrews is telling us. Secondly, it is not an assignment, but an advancement. Verse 22 tells us that we can develop several things in our lives through this kind of ministry. That is integrity, first of all, with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. There is nothing like ministry in a local church to develop your your spiritual integrity. Integrity is, is simply... Being able to say about someone, what you see is what you've got. The internal guidance system and the external behavior are one and the same. There's a consistency there that is produced. And I believe that that is produced in ministry in the local church. It is also an opportunity to develop purity. And I think there's a clear tie in the text here to the ministry of the church in that. I've often said that the church is the laboratory for the things that you are learning here in chapel and here in class. It is the real world of service for Jesus Christ. Not everybody there is like you. The program is not necessarily designed with you in mind. And so you have an opportunity to get into the real flow of a church and the diversity of it and contribute something to advance in your integrity and your purity and the strength of your convictions. Because together the, the, the church is taught to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And I believe that that it is in the context of the local church that those convictions and that the strength of that conviction is honed as you rub up against people and the problems that they have in the in their world, as well as the problems you have in yours. And the victories that you share together. It's not an assignment, but an advancement. It is not a forum, but a family. That is, it is not a place for you to go and and uh, share all the wonderful wisdom that you have gained. I believe that, that you may have the opportunity to do that, but you need to earn the right to do that as you go into a church. But you go in to, to be a part of a family. Verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now that word stimulate is interesting because it is mostly used in a negative sense. It's kind of like goading somebody to do something. But here it is goading someone to love and good deeds. So that's a a modifying factor. And so as you go in to be a stimulus to the church, I think that that could be a tremendous uh, thing to bring your your youth and your enthusiasm and your training into the church. But it is to, to spur others to love and good deeds, not necessarily to your own agenda. Get in and, and go with the flow of the family. You need a home church away from home. There's a tremendous privilege in being part of a church family. Uh, Right on campus here today, there are a group of senior adults that are ministering to the Master's College. The Arvics, have you seen them and met any of them? Well, one of the couples is from our church. 
Uh, Go and meet Ray and Ruth Rucker. They are tremendous people. I love them dearly. We miss them. They're part of our family. But we're just thrilled that that they can come down and spend some time helping the Master's College and other uh, institutions that that, uh, are part of the work of Christ. And we pray for them. And we extend our ministry through them. We have a young woman who is uh, from our church that is ministering in Togo, West Africa. Some of you want to go out to missions or you want to go to a um, missions trip this summer. Who's going to send you? Who can recommend you? Who really knows you and knows the integrity of your walk with Christ? I believe that you need to establish a church family to support you and pray for you and to send you out and to stick by you through the the length and breadth of your ministry. Get involved in the family, the local church. We pray for Tanya. We give over half of her support. Uh, We are totally involved in hearing what happens in Togo, West Africa, because she has a home church, and we are her family. And uh, just in the entire church, there is a tremendous mix of all ages and types and diversity and, uh, of people and gifts. And it's a great place to grow and learn the lessons that God has in completing our preparation for ministry. Fourth thing I want us to notice is that it is not what you know, but what you can be that you bring to the church. Yes, it is important to have the knowledge, but it is more important that you take this as an opportunity to grow and to be an encouragement, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near. Be an encouragement. Don't be a headache, but be a help. I had the uh, privilege of having Mark Tatlock be a summer intern up in Boise. Thinking, speaking of headaches, uh, Mark came in and uh, he lived in our basement. That was to teach him humility. And um, first youth activity that he organized, we got some some backlash on. Uh, totally unexpected. It really blew Mark and me away, both of us. And and uh, he had done his he'd done a great job of setting it up, uh, really. In and uh, so the question at that moment was, is this guy going to be a help or a headache, right? And uh, I have to say, in um, all honesty, that Mark handled that in the way that he handles things here with real spiritual uh, maturity and grace. And that summer turned out to be a great blessing and a help. But I think Mark learned a lot through that lesson of rubbing up against the diversity of the local church. And in the, that laboratory, in that crucible of relationships, putting yourself on the line to serve, loving people as Christ loved them, learning to understand how to communicate with various generations, really learning cross-cultural communication in in a microcosm is the best way in which to be prepared for God's service. And it is the most rewarding and most encouraging. And in the light of the days in which we live and the, and the tendencies that are in our society and the problems morally and spiritually, I believe this is God's answer for 
us and for the world, the local church and that ministry. And so as the days go closer to the coming of Christ, I urge you and challenge you to make a commitment today to serve Christ in the church. I can hardly wait to get back home. Number one, to see my wife and my daughters, but to, to find out what's happening in the church. They've put up with me now for almost 18 years. Sometimes I know that I've exasperated them. I'm certain that they have exasperated me. Uh, we have a, what you might call a mutual exasperation society. <laughs> but there is love there. Uh, there are a nursery, There's a nursery full of babies. I love to have the uh, little kids toddle up and, and hug me around the knee and to watch them grow up. Uh, there are parents in the church that, who, whose weddings I performed 10, 12 years ago. They were just bright-eyed young couples uh, like a lot of you are proposing to be around here. And I've uh, watched them raise their children. Some of them are the, the backbone leaders of our church today. I've had the opportunity to disciple the men and the women and, and be involved in their lives. Uh, I've buried a few of the, of, the, of the older people in the church. I've been there long enough that, that some of them, I can't believe that some of them I think that are 90 years old are going to outlive me. And I hope they do because I don't like funerals. But we've had the, the uh, ministry of being close to people and, and ministering to widows. There is a new widows group that is formed in our church. And I'm anxious to get back to see how that's going. There's um, a couple in our church that are back in Pittsburgh today. He's having a very dangerous um, and exotic radiation treatment on a tumor in his brain. It's inside the main vein that drains the brain. And if they cut that, that vein open, he'll be dead in about four seconds. So they can't go in there and operate. So they've got to use some kind of an exotic tool to, to zap that thing and hope that it'll reduce. Dave Torgerson is a wonderful guy. Uh, he is um, an engineer with a tremendous mind and a tremendous heart for God. And I think he's in his mid-40s. He could die of this. I'm wondering how he and Linda are getting along today. Uh, it's just a, a, a heart love affair that God gives us in working together for him. And I love the opportunity that God has given me to serve in that capacity. In that day, we will not know all of the impact of our ministry until the day that is described, the day that is drawing near. But praise God, in that day, we will be evaluated and have the opportunity to rejoice together in what God has done in us and through us in His church. And so I challenge you today to take the step to make a commitment to a local church and to see what God will do through you. Eternity will only tell. I hope to come back in May and talk to some of you and, and hear how it has gone and hear of the blessings that you have gleaned in your ministries. I hope that you will remember and uh, look me up and tell me when I come back. God bless you. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of serving together with the college and the capacities that you have given to us. We thank you for the commitment here to the local church. We pray for these young people that you will bless each one and guide them into a place of ministry and service, of growth and blessing in the local church. We pray for the churches that embrace them, that you would give the pastors wisdom in dealing with them and a commitment to them as well. We pray that it would be truly the development of a family relationship and that there would be tremendous reciprocal blessings of love and encouragement and grace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ between the college and the surrounding churches. We pray that in this great community of Santa Clarita and of Los Angeles that this institution through the churches would have tremendous impact on lives and that you would set aflame in the hearts of these young people a commitment to your cause and to your church carried throughout their lives until Jesus comes. We pray in his name. Amen.